Welcome to the Disconnection Podcast. My name is Ben Haramadi, and I'm here with Kyle Nielsen. We're your hosts for today's show. During this episode at Disconnection, we'll be speaking to Marissa Weissman. So, Marissa, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, my name is Marissa. Um, I was an art student. I went to Ithaca, now live in the New Jersey area. I'm currently unemployed, looking for a job, but I describe myself as an artist and a painter. I feel like that's more important than a job anyways and describing myself. So I spend a lot of my time painting. Uh, hopefully want to go back to grad school. So working on a portfolio. And yeah, I would say that's a quick. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I got to ask you. So you are an artist. You like to paint. Like what's uh, what's the ambition there? Do you want your art to show up in galleries? Are you doing it more for yourself? Like where is it coming from? I think both. I think any artist can say that there's a need for them to create, mm -hmm. which I can relate to. Um, but anyone needs to also make a living. So Definitely. there's also the idea of getting your artwork out there and selling it to people. But it's hard. It's not simple. Um, you want to be able to create what you want to create while also relating to other people. And that's not easy. Um, but... I would say that I want to paint for myself, but yes, also paint to get it out there. <laughs> I've I've seen your art. Like I think it's extremely cool. It reminds me, like, what do I know about fucking art? But like, <laughs> it's like almost Jackson Pollock esque. Like you've got a lot of like cool splatter, like kind of stuff going on. But it works. There's like you could tell there's, it's not just paint splatter on it. There's thought. There's like composition behind it. And I want to, like, how do you how do people relate to that? How have you had people tell you that they relate to that? Is my question when you're sure. saying that you want people to relate to that your artwork? Yeah, um, I think abstract art, which is what I particularly do. Mm -hmm. um, I guess if someone didn't know Jackson Pollock describing that, but uh, anyone can make abstract art. Technically, um, it doesn't take, I guess, as much skill as drawing or painting photorealistically, which I think in a way relates to people. Um, it's not showing an overly practiced skill, um, but at the same time, it takes knowing art to create abstract art that is appealing. Um, but I think my work in particular revolves a lot around control and trying to control things you can't control. And I think we all tend to do that, so. In the sense of trying to control your environment, and realizing that you can't, and so with your abstract pieces, you're trying to control the abstractness, is that what you're saying? Yeah, um, it's responding to certain things that I necessarily didn't do intentionally. So working with certain materials that drip in ways that I didn't want them to, and then responding to that to try to control it and make it how I want it to be. Um, same thing with mixing colors. I spend a lot of time mixing colors to exactly how I want them to be. And then sometimes I'll work on a canvas and it doesn't end up being exactly how I wanted it to be because now the relationships to different colors have changed its image and how it presents itself. Um, and so yeah, just a consistent trying to control something. Uh, is this yeah. control like 
on your work, I, I know you said earlier, whatever makes you feel accomplished is are, when you get these controls <laughs> of these things that make you feel accomplished when you're doing your work. Ooh, that's, I don't know if I ever thought of it that way. Because it seems like it's a struggle, like you're working mm -hmm. hard, it's like wrangling an animal to get the correct color, right. right, or the right, you know, the right material dripping in X or Y away. Yeah, I guess my art is what I feel most comfortable and mm -hmm. confident controlling. Mm. So while other things in my life may seem out of control, art seems to always be something that I do have control over. Um, I don't know if that answers no, that your a, question. <laughs> good answer. And uh, why art? Ooh, I don't know. I, it was something that ever since I was younger, I felt I excelled at. And maybe that's why I just always felt comfortable doing it. Um, in school, I knew that that was kind of like my thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and not to say that I didn't do well academically. It was just not as innate. You weren't as passionate about it. Right. Like I would rather be taking art classes and spending my time doing that than studying, knowing that I would be doing better if I spent more time. I don't know. It was... Have you always uh, tried to uh, express yourself through abstract art, or have you modified how you express mm -hmm. yourself in art? Um, I don't think I was conscious of me expressing myself abstractly until I was older, really in college. But now, like looking back, I definitely always express myself abstractly. Um, I. I mean, my mom threw me into art classes when I was a kid, and I remember this one project that we did that I described as me as a combination of my parents like by shapes and colors, which I think is a very abstract way to look at something as like a seven or eight-year-old child. Yeah, I'd say so too. Yeah, so not being like, this is a stick figure me and whatever, it was... And here are my stick figure, you know, mom and dad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a green colored triangle and like a blue colored triangle and then like a smaller one that was blue green and it, that was my description of like me and being a combination of both of them. And That's really far out Yeah, completely like, honest. Right, like, I don't know. So I obviously didn't think like, hey, I'm going to be abstract when I was that age. I think I just created something. And then when asked why, I was like, oh, well, obviously this is why. Um, but obviously that's not obvious. <laughs> right. Um, Do you think you were trying to control your artwork when you were younger as well? I don't know. Um, I never really thought about it. I, I don't think... I thought about why I was creating as much until I was older. And that just is a product of being an art student where you're forced to talk about why you're creating. You're no um, longer just creating and being like, oh, right. here's my piece. It's why. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's useful to be able to talk about your art. And like I said, I now can look back at that seven or eight-year-old me and be like, oh, this is totally just me. I am abstract. I am meant to convey myself in this way. Um, Where so. do you think your need to control your art stemmed from? I don't even know if it's controlling my art necessarily. It's just in that moment, it's I, using the materials. Um, 
What kind of materials do you use for your art? Let's just say that. Okay. Um, Well, I would say mixed media. I'm currently mostly oil painting, and that's just because of where I am and space and stuff like that. But mixed media, I would say, is my my me like that's it's a lot it's everything what do you mean mixed media like uh, graphic design and like also like real paint so like spray paint string Mm -hmm. wood collage um acrylic paint i mean i'll like just go into michael's and find random i mean they're called mixing mediums and other things Mm -hmm. that you mix with paint to either make them more liquidy more I don't know, opaque more, whatever it may be. Um, but experimenting, it takes a lot of experimenting <laughs> to figure out how materials work with each other. Um, but it was a lot of what I like found around my house too. Like I said, mm-hmm. string, uh, markers, just random shit. I don't know. <laughs> I feel uh, like what's... Uh... <clears throat> Number one, this isn't a plug for Michaels, but my friend who <laughs> likes to build boxes. No, he tells me all the time how great Michaels is that he it goes is. there and you find so much fun stuff. And you, they send you coupons like every other day. Okay, see that's great too, <laughs> Michaels. Michaels, no, not a plug, not a plug. Um, all right, well, uh, my question, I guess, that I wanted to take this to is. We both have spoken beforehand that I know we've both dealt with depression in our lives. And I wanted to know if you felt that your art was a way to express that depression or if it comes out in other ways in your life or how you feel that you can best deal with it. Because, um, Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think all artists feel the need to create. And mm-hmm. I think whether it be for emotional reasons uh, or other, uh, yes, it my depression was definitely a a factor in why I felt the need to create and be artistic and express myself that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I don't know if my work even comes off like with the emotion that I created it in. Um, I don't always know if that's necessary. Um, I, I personally don't think so. But... And yeah, I mean, some people have seen my work and felt like they saw something and they felt sadder looking at one than another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I work very intimately with them, if that makes sense. With but your pieces? I, yeah, like they surround me. Like, like I- a cat lady kind of? Ca- yeah, <laughs> totally. If you could have like a painting lady, sure. that would be me. Okay. Um, which is just a, I don't know, a total different type of connection that I think I create with my work that maybe it's just a feeling thing. Is, um, it, is it a comfort thing when you're around it? Like you're, what were we talked about last episode with like a comfort blanket? Uh, yeah, so. Object association, uh, what was it called? Yeah, um, object, objective impression or something. Um, it's it's about, yeah, it's about uh, uh, objects impress themselves upon you mm-hmm. and you uh, associate the object or whatever it is, let's say your creation, your paintings, you um, put not only emotions into it, but you receive a feedback from it too, depending on what you're putting into it. So, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I know the periods of time where 
I haven't been creating as much and I'm not surrounded by my work, I feel worse, um, definitely. And then it's really hard to get back into it. Um, but every time that I've found myself being like, I have to get back into it because I know it, it's good for me, I, I'm always curious how I ever got out of it. <laughs> what are some of the common themes that you aim for? So you do them, when you work on your pieces, you're very uh, intimate. What mm -hmm. are some of those intimate themes? One body of work, I guess I'll call it, which is my thesis stuff that I did my senior year in college. And the titles ended up being really uh, revealing, I guess, about me in a way that... Can we ask what kind of titles? Um, sure. So Unfamiliar Pillow was one that I guess I felt weird having my family mm -hmm. <laughs> see, just because they might not know what it means. But to me, it has a few different directions. Absolutely. <laughs> sure. Um, and no one asked me what it meant, obviously, but... What did it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so... So I guess now we can get into the real story of me, but I lost both my parents. Um, my mom when I was 16 and my dad when I was 20, both to cancer. And I, on one side there was, I don't feel like I have my own space, my own room, which like I was traveling a lot. I was living with aunts and uncles, grandparents, staying at friends' houses. And then there was also the whole like sleeping with random people. <laughs> so there was like two like, yeah. Very strong uh, ways that you found um, comfort yeah. and it was an unfamiliar pillow. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, so like I said, my I don't know, I never explained that to my family what that mm -hmm. meant, but. Maybe they gathered it on their own. Sure. Yeah. Um, or maybe they felt like they couldn't ask you. I mean, I don't know. Are you very open with your family about your emotions or your depression or anxieties that you may have? Um, yes and no. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny there sometimes when I'll want to talk and not shut up and there are other times where I'm like in my room, door shut, don't want to talk to anyone sure. and just want to, yeah, be Do you feel solitary. like those times when you're in your room it's a more productive environment for uh, painting or like art creation? Um, yes, when I am motivated. Uh, being solitary by yourself in your room is also very unmotivating. Totally. Uh, especially when someone is dealing with depression and yeah. Uh, it's very easy to get sucked into that trap of um, being comfortable in your, like, wallowing, you know? Yeah. In your room. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to have. The motivation's the toughest part, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think, for me, I've had this fear that if I ever get completely... I don't want to say like completely happy or whatever. My art won't be as good. Um, that sounds so fucked up. It doesn't. Um, I, I, <laughs> I agree with it, it to the extent of what my experience has been, which is when I've been upset, depressed. Uh, I don't paint. I'm not an artist, but I like to use words, so I'll like create poems. And 
the poems help me feel better because I express how I feel in the poem. So sometimes when I'm really happy, I'll think like, oh, I'm happy. Like, I should write. Like, it'll be great. And I'll write something and it sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, do I have to be sad in order to create? Yeah. And it's a it's a thought that also crosses my mind. So I don't mm -hmm. think you're crazy for thinking that. For sure. No, I... I never said I was crazy, though. I said it was fucked up. You're right. Well, I think I'm crazy, so. <laughs> I was like, I know there are other people that think this, but it doesn't mean we're not all fucked up <laughs> for thinking that. Okay, good point. <laughs> but no, it's it's not the worst thing. But there have been points where I either was just so unmotivated that I was like, there's not even a point of doing that, like of painting. Um, but then, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say the happy balance is when I'm painting, <laughs> but um, I also never wanna be so distracted with everything else that I lose painting. Um, Was there something when, did you have like an extended funk of not painting and something like brought you back into it? I mean, when I was working at, like up in Ithaca for the year after I graduated, um, I was working for a jewelry company and what I was doing was really cool. Um, I was a production assistant. I like still wear the jewelry like all the time. I love it. Um, but to, like I said, paint by yourself and then go to a job where you're only with two other people the whole day and then, I don't know if either of you guys have been to Ithaca, but it gets dark at like four o'clock and- That is so depressing. It just takes a yeah. toll on you. Um, That'll get you. Yeah. So I think I just needed to do something that was either not creative mm -hmm. um, and have my creative outlet be completely separate from my job or just be at a job where I felt like it was more people, I was interacting with more people, not as like indoors with only two other people for eight hours. Not to say that they weren't awesome people, but. Right. You're restricting yourself from Vitamin D in the sunlight. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, not under fluorescent lighting all the time. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that when you show your art, do you feel vulnerable and feel like people are almost looking through a window at you? Yes and no. I think any yes, an artist's intentions are to, I think, be vulnerable when they're creating. And like I said, if I want to show my artwork, I know that there is a vulnerability there. Like I said, that title was something that my family could have asked me about. And oh, like, Did you feel like you wanted them to ask you about that though? Like, and that they didn't? Not to get um, too psyche in here about it, but. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I think I'm more comfortable being vulnerable through my art than anything else. Instead of sharing about it. Yeah, um, I think I'm, when asked a question, I'm down to talk about something until I'm like, oh, I don't wanna talk anymore, but initiating a conversation is definitely harder for me. So if that means look at my artwork and you wanna start talking to me about it, cool. Um, so maybe that's why I just feel vulnerable through that is more comforting than just hey, let me just start talking. <laughs> or like you said, words. I, I can stumble over words. It's not my 
forte. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's so. not really my forte either. <laughs> I stumble over them all day. Um, but the, I, I think it's very important, the relationship between uh, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and then the receptive side of it. Like you just opened up yourself to someone. And as a result, at least in my experience, is that I feel empowered after like, oh, I should do that again. Uh, have you had like an art gallery where like you're in there and all of a sudden you're just like, oh my God, what am I doing right now? You mean like I'm viewing other people's art? No, and... your artwork. I mean, I would say at the end of my senior year when we had our thesis show and my work that I was working on for an entire year and put a lot of time and effort and thought into um and I think my family for the first time kind of realized how serious I was about it. Mm -hmm. um, Did, I, I was just curious, like, I'm sorry to take it back a few steps, but like having your parents pass away so late in life, do you think that that is, like, I know you said you were into art since the beginning, but you also said your mom took you to art classes. And then I'm wondering if this, uh, them passing away, was a reason for you to be so serious about your art in the end, as opposed to taking a career path that may have been different than that. For sure. Um, I definitely think it was easy for me to choose a major that was about my passion and made me happy because I, was, I wanted to spend my time doing what made me happy. <laughs> I... My mom died when I was in high school, and then I started college knowing my dad was sick. So I knew it wasn't a long time. Um, and so I just didn't want to bullshit doing things that I didn't feel like doing. And that could come off being really pretentious. It's not. Um, or just obnoxious, like mm -hmm. me. I was 20 years old just being like, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to do it. Um, but to me, it was all in reason. like. I loved going to school, um, being a student distracted me in a good way. Um, it obviously still stressed me out. School is always a stress, but <laughs> yeah. um, at the you same time, <laughs> what? We just know it well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still in school right now, so yeah, it's yeah. stress of school. It's... Yeah, and as I'm talking about it, I'm like, I would still love to be back in school, but yeah. now not being a student, I feel lost almost because for my entire life before this, school was what kept me going through both my parents being sick and both of my parents dying. Um, so when I had like the art show at the end of it, which was, I guess like this is the conclusion of me being, for the moment, of me being a student. Um, and this is to me and I think I don't know, my professor and whatever, the best work that I've created until now. Um, and being really happy with it and proud of it and seeing my family be impressed with it. Um, it was bittersweet. Um, obviously, I would have wanted my parents to see it. Right. Uh, but I don't even remember the first question you asked about this. Oh, it was, I think it was, did art, did I continue doing it because of my parents, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. 
I don't think I would have chosen that major if it wasn't for that. Even when I first started school, I thought I was just gonna do like graphic design mm -hmm. and use my creativity, but in a roundabout way. Right. Not exactly what I wanted to do. Because I always like, well, artists are poor. Artists are like, what am I gonna do? Like, <laughs> um, but you pinpointed it on art. Like, yeah, I mean, I transferred schools. Yeah. I started at Florida State, and I was there for not even a semester. And when I was there, I had those intentions of doing graphic design, mm -hmm. studying advertising, economics, just doing mar you know that whole side of graphic design and being creative, because. With tech and all that, st I just feel like I get you it. Can I recruit a job. for that industry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Um, but but I heard you. You just said it. Artists are poor. That was like your image of it. But then you did a one eighty, and yeah. now it, that that's obviously not the most important thing to you. No, the most important thing is being an artist. I guess <laughs> creating, Logic. allowing yourself to have be an happy. Expression. Yeah, be having happy. an expression. That's probably the most important. Um, the creating aspect of being an artist is extremely important. You had mentioned it multiple times, like you want to create, artists want to create. Uh, without that, there's a almost a lack of fulfillment. Like you feel like you're not producing, right? Yeah. Um, that's why I think when I talked about the times where I was like, what's the point of even painting was like the low, low because mm -hmm. That's when it just felt like, I don't know, nothing's gonna help, nothing's gonna work, not even the things that worked for so long and allowed me to express myself and, yeah. So. Do you um, think that because you were in school while your parents passed, that the learning environment where maybe because you, in your late adult or late teens, you were unable to in a sense, learn from your parents, you impressed upon education, like I'm receiving a education through an expression and it allowed you to cope in a sense? Yeah, um, I also think just like being busy in, the, in, in a basic way, you know, just like not being sitting in my room. Um, Obviously, high school is different. I didn't really have an option, but I don't think people would have been so surprised if I was like, I'm going to take a break from school right now. Um, and I know that it would have been really hard for me to get back into it. I never saw myself wanting to drop out of school, but I don't know. Like, I knew that it was an option, kind of. Um, right, right. But I like being in an in an environment where people are learning and engaging with each other. You, you um, seem to hold like a pretty high importance for education. Like you've- Yeah. You've... My mom worked in education in mm -hmm. one way, like some way she was occupational therapy. So mm -hmm. got an education degree and did that kind of thing. Worked in schools. Um, and I think education can I think we always look at education being like a benefit for people in low socioeconomic situations, which I do, I agree with. Um, but through my parents passing, I 
realize the broader importance of education and like also like the privilege that I had. Um, like I didn't have to worry about certain things despite not having parents. Mm -hmm. And it was a really shitty way to become aware of that. But um, I don't know, like, well, you just said uh, there's a broader importance of education. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I think we just talk about, you know, people using education to get out of the situation that they're in. Um, and when we usually talk about that, it's What do you mean by lower, that exactly, honestly? I guess like um, talking about lower income areas and mm -hmm. how education helps right. to improve your life that like you might have been given from low low income areas saying that they don't have good education and this is the reason that they're in the situation that they're in is that what you mean by an excuse or i i think of like my high school like i went to a very diverse high school mm -hmm. both like i said socioeconomically race religion um and it's not very common that i see areas like mine um but a lot of those students had parents that weren't around, um, grew up with their grandparents or had parents that might not have had as strong of, a, I don't know, an opinion on the importance of education. But my school district and being in a, in a, like in a school, you had other people surrounding you that were like, you can go to college, like you can do this. Um, you're a smart kid. Um, on my end of it was, I saw my life as being perfect and then it totally took a 180 in a way that I never saw. And I could have given up and gone down a shitty path. And I just held on to being in school and getting an education and wanting to keep myself busy in that sense. So I just really think that education is like so important for everyone that, yeah, I guess that's what I was trying to get at. Like, and it's, it's not that so it's important to talk about right. like me being this white chick from Westchester getting an education, but I just, I became very aware that it kept me in a path of doing well. Totally. It sounds um, like it was like your buoy in the water, like it was helping you stay afloat and at the same time move forward. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Um, Did you tiptoe at all down, uh, you know, more dangerous paths? Yeah. And I still think that like being in the position that like having a support system made it easier to not go farther down that path, if that makes sense. Your support system um, was your extended family? Yeah, like I have a really close extended family. Uh, I was also very open with my dad about what was gonna happen when he died. And it was a very weird conversation to have, but it did let me know that there were other people that were there to help me. Um, so sometimes I have to force myself to use my support system, if that makes sense. It's not so mm -hmm. easy to be like, hey, I found all these vices 
and I'm kind of losing control of them. And it took like one of my friends reaching out to my family to be like, hey, I'm kind of concerned about like her habits. And I don't know, they weren't judgmental about it at all, but it's not easy talking to them about it. Um, it's hard to ask for help. It is. For sure. You know? It's definitely hard to ask for help. Um, it's just one thing you, you got to remember, and you can't say this for all families, obviously, but when your family loves you, it's unconditional love. They don't care. You know for what sure. I mean? That's where it comes down to. Yeah. You could be at your worst, but they would just want to see you better. Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, and I get that from my, like, I get that kind of Good. love from my family. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I'm so easy opening up to them. Sure. <laughs> But, yeah, I, for me, I couldn't say that I picked one thing that was my outlet. It was just anything that made me feel better. So, yes, drugs became, like, a, a thing that I enjoyed <laughs> heavily. But eh, not, maybe not heavily. That's too much. But it's not always how much. It's how much it impacts your life and how urgent it is to deal with that issue. So That's a good quote right there, honestly. I like that a lot. Yeah, well, the topic of addiction is hard to talk about, mm -hmm. um, not only for people who are dealing with some form of addiction, but someone who wants to help someone with an addiction. Absolutely. Um, how do you bring it up to that person? Right. Yeah. Be like, hey, I know you're doing this. First of all, the person might just lie and be like, no, I'm not. And mm -hmm. whatever position that person who's doing it is in, like, they're clearly not ready to tackle it if they're just going to be like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Well, addicts will say whatever they can say to not have that conversation. Right. You know? Um, so I think... I tried to justify a lot by being like, it's not one thing. It's not like, I don't know. Whatever whatever I could say to justify how not bad it was. Um, but like I said, it's your dependency and how how much you feel the Did issue. Did you find needs. yourself like super dependent on any drugs for a while? Like yeah. Like, it, it wasn't one, but it would be, I needed to have things on me without, mm -hmm. like, to feel comfort. So, I wasn't doing a lot of cocaine, but if I didn't have it on me and, like, all the time, I'd be anxious. I'd be like, what if I need it? What if I, for whatever reason, just, I would get anxious not having it. Um, Did you start finding situations that were, like, this is somewhere I need to be, and if I'm at this place without knowing that I don't have my cocaine on me, I'm not gonna be able to function here correctly. I won't feel comfortable functioning Yeah, here I mean like, throughout school, I think, like, mm -hmm. just going, like literally like being there and awake and sure. motivation, whatever. Um, I still justify my pot usage. So, <laughs> Feel <you> I, there. <laughs> so it's not all tackled, but um, then it's just like a, a cycle of, all right, well, then I was like so hyped up that then I was like, all right, I need to come down. So I would drink all the time when I got home, find benzos when I could, mm -hmm. just a cycle of like adding things on 
to counteract what I was doing. Um, so that's why I was like, it was never one thing that I could say sure. was my issue. But when you have this habit pattern, and it's alone, you know, this isn't like, even I think people who say, oh, it's only on the weekends and it's social is still a form of justification. But it's even worse when it's like on a Wednesday night by yourself and you're like sitting in your room and you're just like, well, it's here, so I want to do it. Right. Um, when you're alone and you were doing uppers and then downers, was there any desire to express yourself or was it just like a numbing of whatever emotions you were feeling? The latter, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was just a consistent not wanting to be sober. Just not many... wanting to deal with yourself, right? Yeah, for sure. I understand that. I just, sorry to cut that off a little bit. No, that's bit. okay. I, I wanted to ask you this question just because I want to compare my answer to yours. What's oh, your justification? What's your justification of smoking pot still right now? What do you tell yourself when you're like, you know, I should quit, but da 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 da. I don't know if this is justification. Maybe it's not justification at the moment. Well, it's being real. Too. It's just being like I don't want to, and I know that. I, I don't know. Like it's it's not answer. as bad. It's, it's not like yeah. Like. Part of me is like, I should stop smoking as much pot. Right. Another part of me is like. Can I ask what your like daily usage is? Like, are you rolling four or five joints a day? Are you smoking? I'm in a glass face. And oh, glass <laughs> face. So sorry. Very no, chill. No, it's good on my lungs. I went to the gym and they okay. said I have good lungs, so maybe that's it. My there you glass go. Face. <laughs> I used to no, go stoned but... running at the gym. I didn't think that was the worst thing ever. No, it was pretty um, solid. But. I don't know. I usually tend to go through like, all right, I'm used to this high. Now I got to switch it up. And mm. I don't know. So I'm currently in like a bong phase. And I feel like being 25 and smoking a bong is so late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's whatever you like, you know. You know, if my bong didn't get shattered, I'd probably still be smoking it. But, you know, moved over to spliffs. The, I do like spliffs. The but... New Jersey way, as I found out, because it seems every other state doesn't like to put tobacco really? with their... I went out to Massachusetts, and I was like the one doling out spliffs. People out there were not into mixing tobacco with their joints. Really? Yeah. But I was going to tell you, I, I wanted to see if you related to me on this, that my justification for smoking pot is I don't feel like quitting because I'm in a situation where I feel that... I have such boredom in my life and not the ability to go out and do as much as some of my friends may do that I feel comfortable in that boredom being able to smoke pot. Like that pot gives me that comfort in that boredom. Okay. Like I'll say that like for me, like I can be anxious. It could be completely different than your Yeah, yeah. Probably. No, I think now that you were saying that, yeah. like what my I, – I think I do try to justify it as like it's my one thing that I think – I claim helps me with my anxiety, mm -hmm. but could totally be counterproductive. Sure, um, I think I get more anxious and less anxious on pot. It can right, like the immediate is a calm down thing, but then you build up this like psychological dependency on sure. pot. But then I also am like, if I am someone who wanted to deal with their anxiety, I don't know if going in a route of being prescribed Xanax would be smart for me. So, like, I'm not saying that I'm trying – well, yeah, I guess I am self-medicating my anxiety with pot. But I think that if I had to choose one thing, 
I don't know. This is all justification. What I'm saying right now is literally justified. I feel the same way when I'm talking about <laughs> um, this. Like you're walking in circles. You're like, uh, uh, I got it. But wait, no, this is a justification. Yeah, so I should just stop. No, no. everything I'm but <laughs> It's tough. It, but you're seeing your thought process go through yeah. right now. You're getting I mean. There. I think even the what you said before of, you know, I don't want to stop. That's <laughs> the ultimate like. I ran out of justification, yeah. so you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, it is the bottom line. I don't want to stop. I get yeah. that. Yeah, like it's kind of where I've gone because I have had this top this discussion with my therapist, with like friends, family. Right. Like, I don't want to stop smoking pot. Like, that's it. You answered <laughs> like, that like so. I it's like looking in a mirror. And how you, I do the hand motions. Yeah, to, I don't know. It's exactly. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, maybe we both just got problems. I don't know what to tell you. A little bit of both. <laughs> I think uh, some of the expression of allowing yourself a vice is that we put so much pressure on ourselves and society or we believe society puts so much pressure on us that we look for like a uh, a dulling of our environment and so okay you might be self-medicating for marijuana over opioid pills and right but that's probably better and you're not going to have an overdose and there's no possibility of you you know killing yourself in a sense because you want to numb yourself and sometimes there's therapeutic reasons beyond like okay you're not a doctor and you can't be like oh i'm prescribed this this and this joint and i'll yeah. smoke out of it uh, you know <laughs> this many times a day it's like you you understand yourself more than anyone else does and sometimes that doesn't need a justification. It's just you know what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel you on exactly what you're saying. And I would like to tell myself that. And I feel like you would like to tell yourself that too. But at the end of the day, it's just like that is just a justification. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I know. Yeah. yeah. But, no, but, I, but I, I've obviously said that to myself too. Like... I mean, even people who go home and like have a few glasses of wine every mm -hmm. night is not looked at as. It's not, but you know what the difference is? Like when you start saying it, like in the fact that it's uh, it won't kill you, it's not going to overdose you. That's the worst justification of it possible, almost, because you're you're looking at all the other substances that people are abusing, and every single one of them causes death besides pot. So you're going to take that number one and use it as your point to feel all right about doing it when you know there's still x y and z reasons why it's not good for you at the end not of the so day. much not not good for you but not not good for maybe your mental health or the way you're conducting yourself or your days the way that i'm thinking about it is okay so we're justifying it right now right <laughs> everyone's uh, justifying. right <laughs> but there are also people who require medication because their neurochemicals are imbalanced and they need a way to feel normal Okay, so people with severe depression are not releasing uh, epine uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, they're not re releasing uh, dopamine, they're not experiencing life on a level that a, a normal person is. You know, they don't have ups, everything is down. There's no uh, expression of like, oh wow, that was a happy moment. It's like, yeah, whatever, like life, mundane, doesn't matter. So sometimes we do things without realizing it and it's exactly what we need. So, you know, okay, it's a justification. Like, I'm not doing the most hardcore drug. I'm not taking uh, pills to make sure that I'm feeling okay. Um, so I'll smoke pot. But 
in a sense, you're allowing yourself the um, realization that you need something, but you don't know what it is. And what you have available, you're going to try. Uh, our, our ancestors, I, I recently read this, um, would smash up uh, a certain plant. And they had no way to know that by smashing it, it released a chemical uh, that, when digested, helped with digestion and helped uh, cope with other things that they were eating. They had no idea. It was just something that, oh, I feel like I should do this. And they did it. And I think that we're still experimenting and we'll continue to experiment with uh, new ways of, of coping with um, severe, life, uh, severe life in the extremes of whatever it might be. There's been recent studies of um, microdosing LSD as a form of dealing with depression. And it's not like they're using it for very long periods of time. They'll do it for like a month, two months, and a year, two years down the road. They're still uh, better than they were before. Looking in other directions besides just the medications that are already available mm -hmm. to us is smart. Like, I mean medical marijuana is already a thing but like i said i'm not dosing it i'm not i don't know might not be doing it in You're a way not a doctor that, it's not prescribed to right you in a yeah proper you know um which slowly will happen over time right now are you being healthy and taking care of yourself yes i would say so okay um, that's good are you looking for jobs yes i am i've spoken to people i've applied to a few when, when you're saying student. applying, is it like uh, you want to work in a gallery? You want yourself posted in a gallery? Like, what does an art student apply for jobs as? You're this is as a more barista? so. Like, uh, <laughs> well, I think another thing, being in the situation that I'm in without parents, like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of random logistic things that you don't really think about until you actually have to think about it. And so, insurance, for example, health insurance, right. like. A lot of my friends, if they were unemployed, could just still be on their parents' insurance for the moment. And like, that's not the case for me. I'm figuring that out. So then having a job that gives me insurance would be dope. <laughs> just to like take care of one of my other like random shit to think about. Yeah. Uh, and these are all discussions that, and topics that come up when I talk to my family. And it's it's nice to still have an adult perspective to be like, I know you really want to do this, but you have to think about these little things that also need to get done. Um, but at the moment, I'm just kind of getting help from my uncle and like, you know, who do you know that mm -hmm. <laughs> can hire me? But anything creative, yeah. So cool. I was applying to some publishing company type things for- Let's speak after the show. I think I literally might be able to help you out. That'd be dope. That would be dope. Put in a good word for me. I would happily, dude. <laughs> Now you have to put in a good word for yourself. I think we're coming about to the close of this episode. Okay. Marissa, you were an awesome guest, and we were super Thanks. happy to have you here. I want you to give out any plugs that you have if you want to, say, your Instagram to follow you, Facebook, anything, social media. Okay, Throw cool. them out there. Okay. I have an Instagram for my art. Do it up. It's mo underscore paints, but the O in mo is a zero. Really trips people up sometimes, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's really my only plug. I would say so it's kind of new. I'm just trying to get my artwork out there for the first time. It's it's hard. It's not simple. It's it's scary. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're proud of you over here for putting it out there, and that is really awesome. Thanks. We were glad to have you today. Thank you. Um, yeah, thank you for coming in. Yeah, for sure.
Thank you for joining us for another episode on the Disconnection Podcast, where we aim to inform, inspire, and close the disconnections in your life. We'd like to thank our guest, Marissa, for joining us today and for delivering a unique perspective on a range of topics. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes, YouTube, the podcast app, and everywhere else that we are. My name is Kyle. I've been Ben. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Disconnection.